You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, my kick-ass, amazing friends. Welcome to another episode of American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals we have right here in the United States. This is episode 103 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My lovely co-host is Ken Melvoinberg, who you're going to be hearing from in a few minutes during our guest conversation. We are sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too. Maybe I should put the kinky perverts first, but you know, you get it. Anyway, I'm pretty stoked about this week's episode. We're deviating from our norm. Now, we've never had this type of guest conversation before. It is with my Uncle George. Uncle George is going to be 92 years old in December. And after living a very active, independent life, he's come to live with us and I am his full-time caretaker. You may have heard me briefly mention Uncle George here and there on different episodes. In fact, many of you on Twitter came to know him a few months ago because like, he kind of went a little viral. I mentioned him in a tweet to Donald Trump. I was basically telling Donald Trump, fuck you. And I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, my uncle who doesn't have Twitter because he's 91, he says, fuck you, too. And then like five gazillion million people retweeted it and liked it. And a few weirdos came after me. So, you know, but all these hashtags came to life, you know, Uncle George 2020 and Uncle George for POTUS. And it, it was pretty cool. Anyway, Uncle George has lived his 91 some odd years as a gay man. Now, most of us, even those in the LGBTQ plus community, rarely get to hear about the lives of LGBTQ plus people that came of age many, many generations before we did. It's only stuff that we read in books. Uncle George and people like him offer a wealth of lived history spanning a time that, yeah, we've only read about and we know that not everything on the internet is true, accurate, even in history books. Uncle George was born on Christmas Eve, 1927. So he's currently 91. He was born and raised in Chicago to an immigrant single mother who she was kind of a bit of a trailblazer herself. She divorced George's dad when he was only three years old. And that was like huge big news. Women rarely got divorced in 1930. And it was so shocking and scandalous. It warranted an article in the Chicago newspaper written about her. And she was also one of the first women in the neighborhood to get a driver's license because at the time it was thought that women would make horrible drivers and no women had licenses, but there she was. Uncle George isn't even technically my uncle. He's actually my cousin twice removed, but he's always been Uncle George to me and my mom and my children. He's even Uncle George to you because that's what everybody seems to call him. We come from a very small family, you know, generation upon generation of only children. I'm the only one who broke the mold by having two kids. My grandfather's mother, Helen, and George's mother, Elizabeth, were sisters. Now, our small, tight-knit family grew even closer during the Depression. You know, times were tough, so George and his single mom, Elizabeth, lived with her sister, Helen, which is my great-grandma, and her family. Her son was my grandfather, Joseph. George and Joseph, even though they were first cousins, grew up kind of more like brothers. They shared a bed as kids, and they were raised together side by side during the Depression. So hence, that's why he became Uncle George when my mom was born, and his title just carried on throughout the generations. So George was gay, and he always knew it, always not deniable. And with time, so did most of our family. They figured it out. Now, unfortunately, George and Joseph's lifelong relationship was love-hate. Yeah, they were cousins, but they grew up like brothers, and they loved each other like brothers. However, Joe never accepted George's sexual orientation. And as a result, they had many, many rocky times throughout their entire lives. You know, growing up, my grandmother, who is Joseph's ex-wife, but we all still got along and lived in the same building. It was very like Polly without being Polly, but I don't think they were fucking. But that's a whole nother story. Anyway, my grandmother and my mother were very accepting of 
Uncle George's lifestyle. But the rest of our very small family, they were very judgmental. And, and things were very, you know, don't ask, don't tell. They didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to, no details, no flaunting, no nothing. It wasn't until years after the homophobic members of our family passed away that we started talking with Uncle George about this part of his life that he always kept secret. But even then, you know, by that point, he was well into his 60s, and he had lived his whole life being accustomed to not divulging information about his personal life. So it's only been in very recent years, I'm talking like the last five or less, that we've all been very, very open with each other. I suppose, you know, old wounds and old habits take time to heal. He now knows I'm bisexual and polyamorous and kinky, and over the years, we've learned a lot more about him, too. A culminating moment for us all as a family was two years ago when we attended IML together. So IML stands for International Mr. Leather, and it is a very, very large yearly gay men's convention and leather title competition that's held in Chicago. People come from all over the world for IML, and it is absolutely huge. Thousands of people. So me, Ken, our oldest daughter, and Uncle George went to IML to shop in the vendor area and hang out for the day. We actually all did poppers together, and then we got migraines and we hated it, but it was really fun. It was really, really cool. So now that you know who Uncle George is, you have some of the necessary background you're going to need for this interview. Now, in this conversation, Uncle George tells us what it was like growing up and starting to date in the 1940s as a young gay man. He tells us about being in the military, plus frequenting gay bars, coffee shops, and clandestine meeting places that were often raided because at that time being homosexual was illegal. Most of his adult life, George worked in corporate sales for Lufthansa Airlines, so that gave him access to very inexpensive travel. So as a result, he has traveled thousands of times to countless countries and in true don't ask, don't tell fashion. He sometimes went away with a, quote, traveling companion. Uh, but he tells us about the different countries he's visited. You know, some were very accepting of his lifestyle and others were downright dangerous to gay travelers. He shares a story in our conversation about how he almost ended up in a South African jail, possibly on murder charges, um, but at minimum detained for a sexual orientation. It's a good story. He even tells us about some gay celebrities like Rock Hudson, who he ended up just one degree of separation from. And we even learn about his very sweet, personal celebrity encounter. Uncle George recounts living through the AIDS crisis, too, and losing dear, dear friends. He talks about the first pride parades, his opinion on LGBTQ plus issues today, a few choice words for the president. Oh, he has a few choice words for Trump. And there's a lot more. Now, it's a rare opportunity to have such a candid conversation with someone in their 90s who has witnessed and lived through so much. You're really going to enjoy this one, American fuckers. You really are. I got to give you a couple side notes, though. Now, Uncle George has some hearing issues. So we had to sit very far back from our microphones because we had to sort of shout at him when we were asking questions. So when you hear us, we're going to sound a little bit different than usual, but he sounds fabulous, by the way. I mic'd him up perfectly. Now, also in this recording, I use a little bit different language than my norm, than you're used to hearing me say. I use words like queer and LGBTQ+, but in this interview, I tailor my language to phrases Uncle George is more accustomed to. Now, lastly, Uncle George might not respond to every question how you'd expect or how you'd want him to respond. Now, rather than going, mm, take a minute, think about why he responds to some of the things the way he does and how his lived experiences many of which were motivated by survival and the need to stay safe, how they frame his perspective. We'd love to hear what you think of this episode. So when you're done listening, stop by our subreddit, which is our American Sex Podcast, or hit us up on Twitter at American Sex Pod. So before we get to Uncle George, I want to read a piece of fan mail we got about last week's episode on community building with Dixie De La Tour. Here it is. 
Hi, I wanted to make contact regarding today's show with Dixie. There was a part of your show where y'all talked about the importance of having programs, not just for victims of violence, but for perpetrators as well. I totally agree. And I think it's a shame that more airtime is not given to this. People can and do get better, but lack of effective methods, therapy, and programs, as well as lack of visibility of these solutions, can be a hurdle in getting these folks the help that they need and the people around them and and relationships with them need. It would be lovely if you could use your platform to elevate this a bit. Me Too is definitely important. However, if we don't focus on what comes next, all that energy expended is for nothing. Thanks again and keep up the good work. So first of all, Thank you so much for writing in. And I do agree, you know, that it is a point that a lot of people miss. At one time or another, all of us are going to violate somebody's consent to one degree or another. And although there are a select few that absolutely deserve to be outright canceled, I'm talking about like your Weinsteins and your uh, Epsteins and your R. Kellys of the world, we can't cancel every single person that has violated somebody's consent. You know, some people, in fact, many people are willing and able to learn where they went wrong and to change their behavior. Now, while this is becoming more and more common in the sex positive community, the world at large hasn't been exposed to accountability processes and transformative justice in this area. So I'm going to be the first to admit this is absolutely not my personal area of expertise. However, there are a lot of amazing people doing this work right now. They can be hired as individual therapists or counselors to help you personally, or they can help you organize teams that are knowledgeable about this kind of accountability process. I'm going to put a few links in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com for episode 103 that list people doing this incredibly important accountability work. I'm all also going to put the link to this monster list of incredible links and resources about what accountability and transformative justice look like. And it's curated by Cassandra Perry. It's at, if you got a pen, it's an easy address. It's a bit.ly link. So bit.ly slash accountability resource index. And each word starts with a capital because bit.ly links are case sensitive. So American fuckers listening along, if this is something you've never heard of before or never thought of before, I want you to visit some of those links on that big old spreadsheet of links. It's amazing. And learn about what to do when you're called out for abusive behavior or learn about how to deal with sexual abuse and other forms of intimate community violence. Uh, You can learn about confronting partner abuse, get resources for dealing with conflict and harm, Learn about the process of creating community accountability, you know, how to call somebody in rather than calling them out. Learn about sexual responsibility and consent. And there are dozens more subjects along these lines to learn about. Couple more things that we're getting to Uncle George. You may have caught in the last episode, Ken gave a brief mention to the movie he and I worked on a couple of years back. It's out on Amazon Prime now and iTunes and Google and a bunch of other places. It's called Diminuendo, and it features the stunning, heartbreaking final performance from Battlestar Galactica's Richard Hatch. It also co-stars Chloe Dykstra, and she is fucking phenomenal in this movie. Also in the movie is Interstellar's Leah Cairn. She was also in Travelers on Netflix. Uh, Farscape's Gigi Edgeley, Star Trek's Walter Koenig. If you look closely, you may even catch Ken and I making a cameo that's so fast, if you blink, you will totally miss us. And although I've been intimately familiar with this story from conception to end, I still cried like a baby when I saw the final cut. I'm biased, but damn, is it a good film. Super moving, very emotional. Yes, it's sad. It is sad. Important content note, there are scenes depicting acts of suicide in a manner that may be triggering to some people. So make sure you're in the right headspace for that and you know that going into the movie. You can get the movie now on Amazon UK and US. It's going to roll out in a handful of other countries soon, as well as be on Google Play, iTunes, Fandango Now, Vudu, and a bunch of other streaming services. We would love for you to check it out and leave a review if you're so inclined. One other thing, this is important, free stuff for you. 
shout out about the Sex Educator Skillshare Training organized by Ducky Doolittle. Yeah, if you're an existing or aspiring sexuality educator, you can access free online training every single Sunday from September 15th throughout the end of calendar year 2019. I'm also going to have this link in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com because it's a mouthful, but the website is sextoyradio.com slash sex-educator-skill-share-conference. I volunteered my time to teach podcasting for audience growth and revenue. That's going to be on Sunday, December 8th. But there's something amazing and valuable every week. Jump on it now. Sign up before these spots fill up. And we'd love for you to spread the word about this. Tell your friends and colleagues on social media, at events, etc. All right. Last thing. Last, last thing. I swear. I'm super excited because I've been in meetings all week about the event that I'm going to be at at the end of September, which is the Firewoman Retreat. September 27th to 29th, I am teaching at the Firewoman Retreat in San Diego. I'm going to be learning a lot too. I'm not just teaching. I'm there to like absorb and soak up this stuff. Uh, I want you to join us. There's still time for you to be there. This is a unique three-day event hosted by Amy Jo Goddard, and it's designed to help women and non-binary folks break through the things that hold them back from being who they really are as sexual people. It includes transformative teachings and play shops and amazing evening events by Firelight, and of course, powerful connection with other women who are also on a journey of sexual evolution. Go find out more. You can go to firewomanretreat.com slash sunny. Okay, that was so much stuff, but I had to give you the background on Uncle George or for you to totally absorb this conversation. Are you ready? Here is Uncle George. So... Younger gay people today, they hear a lot of stories about people your age that grew up gay. And I think they have a lot of assumptions. They hear about a lot of people your age that maybe were afraid to come out when they were younger. And so they got married and had kids and maybe got divorced and later realized that they could come out. Very true. Yeah. But that wasn't your experience. No. You knew pretty early on. I'm too smart. You're too smart? (laughs) (laughs) So what age were you when you realized that you were gay? About seven. Yeah? And when you first started realizing that, because I'm assuming you didn't know what gay was. No. So did you think it was strange? Were you... Um, I don't know, worried about yourself? Like, how did you feel about that? No, not at all. Quite natural for me. Really? Yeah. Really? And so then, as you got older and you got into high school, did you date in high school? Yes. You did? Did you date boys or girls? Girls. Okay. And when when you dated girls, did you know, like, why did you date girls? Because it was expected of you, or... More or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah? Yeah. And then, I'm assuming at some point, you realized, all right, I don't want to date girls anymore. I want to date boys. Right. (laughs) So when did that happen? Oh, about 17. Okay, okay. So 17, I'm doing the math. You were born in 1927, so 37, 1944, about? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so just after the war. During the war. During the war. Okay. Oh, so you found out during the war. War ended in 1945. Wow. Were there gay bars back then? Yes. Uh, when I was a kid, we would actually go to the gay bar because they would serve us when we were 15 and 16 There years were old. gay bars, but you had some problems with it. You got graded. Really? Yes. So, and back at that time, a lot of our listeners might not realize it was illegal. You could go to jail. Yes. You could. Yes. So were they like secret speakeasies or? No, they were openly gay bars, but they were illegal, so you should have had to be raided. Oh. What were the name? And this was in Chicago? Yeah. What was the name of one of them? Do you remember the name of the bar? Shoreline 7. Oh. Wow. So you started, I'm assuming, what was the drinking age back then? Was it 18? Uh, no, 21. 21. Okay. 
So did you sneak into bars when you were underage? No. No, really. No. I, I tried to. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you did. We got into the gay bars. Okay. You, uh, <laughs> you had false ID and you got into the bars. They, they, they weren't that particular at that time. Yeah, yeah. They are now. You started dating boys when you were about 17. Yeah. So, and now at that time, I'm imagining that a lot of people were homophobic. If, you, you know, a straight boy found out that you weren't straight, you'd probably get beat up or... So how did you find people to date? I was lucky to be in Chicago, which is right a progressive city. Oh. Yeah. We still had raids here and gay bars. Right. Not too often, but we had them. Right. I spent many nights overnight in jail. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Could you tell us about your first date with a guy? First date with a guy? Yeah. That's centuries ago, so <laughs> it's pretty hard to remember that. Uh, no, I can't remember that. Yeah, anyway. yeah. But uh, uh, you uh, went to gay places and met people. That's how you dated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where you, you'd meet at the bar, different gatherings where coffee, gay people co went. Co coffee shops. There were gay coffee shops. Really? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Huh. Where were they at? What part of Chicago? Near, near North. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. However, I'm assuming straight people went into the coffee shops too and didn't know. No. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, huh. care, didn't care. Yeah. So, all right. You went into, you were, were you drafted? I'm sorry? Where, when you went into the military the first time, were you drafted? Yes, I certainly was drafted. Okay, so it was the Army yes. first. Okay. It was the Army. So... What was that like? Because you were in the Army, and then after that, you were in the Navy. Correct. What was it like during that time being gay in the military? A little frightening. Yeah? Yeah. Did did people get found out and get either kicked out or beat up? Like, what happened? Not so much at that time. Yeah. It came later on. But, uh, yeah, uh, you were... Product case, you, you didn't, you know, oh, oh, basically you were gay. Right. No, uh, so it was just kind of behind closed doors. Yeah, you dated girls and they didn't look good, you know. Okay, okay. So that happened a lot. Like people would, um, and I know there's a word for it, and I can't remember the word, but when you're gay and you date somebody the opposite sex yeah. to make people think that you blended in. So did you do that a lot as a young adult? Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, I remember growing up, I knew that you were gay, but our family was also very kind of don't ask, don't tell. Right. My grandfather, your cousin, wasn't too hip on the whole thing either. I know. Yeah. I was aware of that. So it wasn't until after grandfather died and, and different people in our family died that you and I got close and started My cousin never, never approved of my being gay. No, no. no. And uh, did you did you come out to your family early on? Did you? No. My mother didn't even know what gay was, so what's to talk about? Yeah. Did she wonder, you know, George, how come you don't bring of home course any girlfriends? She, she had to wonder why I wasn't dating girls and making babies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And she just learned to... Did she keep pestering you? Pardon me? Did she keep no, pestering no, no. you? Or she, she, never, she never bothered me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me, not even interesting, but it kind of makes me sad that today you and I are very open with each other and pretty much everybody in the world, or not in the world, in the country, in the United States. Not everyone, but a lot of us. Depends on where you are. Exactly. I was like, no... <laughs> Correct what I'm saying there. But we live in a in a much open, more open time, both yeah. in our family and in the country. Except Alabama. Except Alabama. <laughs> um, but, you know, in talking to you, I hear that you had long-term partners for many, many years that I never knew about. I had what? That you had partners for, you know, oh, long-term, yeah. you know, 12 years. Uh, some were... Very long. Yeah. A couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just the way our family was, of course, we never knew about that. You know, you didn't get to bring your partners to Christmas dinner. 
You didn't yeah. get to, you know? No, you didn't do that in my family. Right. And what was that like for you? Did that make you sad that you couldn't do that? Yeah, I kind of was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I felt deprived. Yeah. Yeah. Things are a lot different now. If you, if let's say you were born in, instead of being born in 1927, let's say you were born in 1997. Uh-huh. And, and you grew up in a time where, you know, gay marriage is legal and, you yeah. know, you could put your partner on your health insurance and all that. How do you think your life would be different if you grew up in a time like it is now? Yes, it certainly would be. Yeah. How do you think it would be different? I'd be more open about it and not worry about being, being gay. Yeah. Well, they accepted too bad. That's the way I felt about it. Right. Like, I looked at it, they knew I was gay. Okay. Okay. And that's where you worked yeah. most of your life at yeah. Lufthansa yeah. Airlines. Yeah. And they, they knew. Yes. They knew that they didn't acknowledge it or, or uh, you know. So they knew, but I think you told me before, but you couldn't flaunt it. No. What do you think would have happened if you were too, I don't know, open about it? Do you think it would have jeopardized your job? It certainly would have. Yeah? Yeah. Now I'm not so sure what would happen if you. It's been a long time ago. Now. Right, right. I'm sure now, you know, you could bring, you know, maybe if it was now, you'd be married, you yes. know, to a man and bringing him to the company Christmas party. And That's coming. Right. Well, that's here. You know, that's. Yeah. Yeah. In some places. Yeah. Yeah. So, but maybe not, what do we say, not Alabama. Sorry, Alabama listeners, we're ragging on you. <laughs> yeah. It's your legislature. It's not you. Exactly. We love you. Can you tell us anything about any of your long-term boyfriends? A long-term boyfriend? Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about one of them? Well, Jimmy was my, one of my long-time boyfriends, my first lover. Really? When did you meet? When did I meet? Yeah. When I was 21. Okay. And he was 18. Yeah. And how long were you together? Not very long. <laughs> but, uh... A year, year and a half. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and what was that like? Having a first love, because everyone, you know, when they have their first love, they want to shout it from the rooftops and, you know, go on dates and hold hands and yeah, make yeah. out in the park. And, yeah. But you couldn't do that. No. Well, how, what was that like? Did, did that make you feel any type of way? Or, no. No, it was just kind of the way it was and what you had to do. I was a crowd that was accepted, you know. Right. So I never had a problem with, with people. Yeah. So, Uncle George, I want to talk about um, a, a pretty sad moment. And let's talk about the AIDS crisis in the 80s and how you, you know, dealt with that and losing a bunch of friends. Can you tell us about very, what the 80s ver- was like as a gay man? A very sad period for me. My dearest friend, beautiful person inside and out, was dying of AIDS. I was in North Hollywood. He looked at me and he said, George, I'm frightened. It woke me up. It just actually, I just shut right down and started crying. I couldn't handle it. It was very sad. I loved him so much. He died two, two weeks later, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. It was very sad. He was a few. I didn't have any. But uh, we're looking at the guy, he said, I'm frightened. That just broke me up. I couldn't handle it. Wow. Yeah. So. Were you scared for yourself? Yes, too? I certainly was. Yeah. I've been very lucky. A doctor claims I'm immune to it. Really? Yes. Really? There are some who are immune to it. Right, right. Not many, but there are some. Yeah. I think I was one of them. Huh. Because God knows I was exposed thousands of times. Right. Yeah. And did you see during the 80s when, you know, everybody was so freaked out about AIDS and HIV? I mean, it just, everyone was in a panic. Did you witness 
more homophobia and anti-gay sentiment during the, the 80s and the AIDS crisis? I don't know. More, no. No, uh, no. About the same. About the same? Yeah. So when you say about the same, what was that like? I mean, did did you ever have, you know, a car full of straight boys coming after you, trying to beat you up? Like No. No? No. No. Uh, Do you think it's because you lived in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have friends that maybe grew up in different places, that grew up in, you know, in the South or in rural towns that had awful experiences? Oh, yes. Yeah? Can you tell me some? What are some that you might remember? Well, a lot of them were beaten up. Really? Yeah. 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 Called them faggot. They beat them up. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I was just wondering if you ever heard about uh, the gay guys turning the tables on some of the, the straight boys that were picking on them and beat them up. No. No? no? Uh, oh, I wish that happened. <laughs> it happens today. So I. I, I'm sure it did, but not, not that I knew of. Don't forget, I, I was with a refined crowd, educated, worldly. They weren't chill. Right, right. Now, I know you had mentioned to me at, at some point, I think we were watching a movie. It might have been Torchong Trilogy or one of those movies that you had on. And you had mentioned to me once that even though our family, I wouldn't say they were accepting, but it was just we didn't talk about it. But a lot of your friends, didn't they get disowned and, you know, their families hated them? Did you see that a lot with your, yeah. with your friends? That's what was the educated people. Non-educated was a problem. Really? Yeah. Why Why do you think? Lack of exposure. Lack of knowledge. Yeah. Lack of what's going on. That makes sense. Yeah. So you had said that you were in raids, that you spent nights in jail. So Not th- many, but I was in at least five raids. Really? So what was that like? Like, get, tell me about one time. Is it just that you're in the bar and they bust in and they just uh, lined you all up, took you in the paddy wagon and down to the uh, jail? Really? You spent the night there. Did they take everybody in the bar? Yeah. What if there was women in the bar? Did they take them too? Yes. Did you ever? I don't know. Miss work. Because you, no, no, no. Usually you got out in the morning. You called your attorney and set by set your thing, and off you went. Really? Yeah. And so that was just sort of par for the course. Everyone knew that they risked being sent in and spending a night in jail. It wasn't common, but it did happen. Yeah, yeah. Were they? Were the police mean? Yes, they were mean. Really? Did they call you like homophobic slurs and? <sighs> Rough they, were mean, they were mean. Yeah, yeah. That 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 cordial or anything else. Right. But uh, they were they were rough physically. Right. No, that they they stayed away from. But they called you all sorts of names, and you know, I paid no attention to them. Period. Right. Right. Yeah. So the Stonewall riots, when Stonewall happened. And things really started to change. Yes. What did you feel about that scene? Because that's really, you know, one of the first times that uh, change really hit the news and the media. Are you talking about Stonewall? Yeah. How did you feel when Stonewall happened? Refresh my memory on Stonewall, please. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the Stonewall riots were in New York and... I'm very, very quickly summarizing it, but long story short, there was going to be a raid and basically the people inside the bar were like, hell no, you're not taking us to jail. And it became a big standoff. And that that event is what sparked pride parades and all sorts of things. Yes. So what like we learn about it, you know, now they teach it in schools, probably not every school in the state, but in Chicago they briefly taught some gay history. Yeah. Um, and young people at least, you know, have heard of Stonewall. But when that happened, was it all over the news or it wasn't really a big deal? It wasn't really a big deal. Really? Mm-mm. Really? And so the first Pride Parades, 
When was the first time? I don't know when Chicago had their first Pride Parade. But oh, a long time ago. Really? Did you participate when they yeah, first started? I, I think I did, yeah. You did? What were they like back in the, the early days, the first couple parades? Uh, very, very orderly. Nobody really acting silly or dopey. Just very proud. Yeah. That's very different than today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Well, I'm sure, because you live not too far from the parade route. So when was the last time you were at a pride parade? Probably about, what, 10 years ago, 8 years ago? Probably in San Francisco. San Francisco, really? Yeah. Okay. And so, and how about how long ago was that? Oh, at least 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, but they, they had pride parades long before anybody else did. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So what was that like? Compared to the first Pride Parade you very, were Very, very open, very welcome, very cheering people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different city. It is. You spent a lot of time in San Francisco. Great deal. Yeah. You. How many times have you been there? You said like 200 times or something? 200 safely. Wow. 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 And had you ever thought about moving there and just, you know? Yes, I did. Yeah. It came too late. Came too late. Yeah. I was offered a job in San Francisco with my company. It was too late. Oh. I was ready in my late 50s, and I thought, no. Oh, you had your house and your life Yeah, here. yeah. I, 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 I couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in my 30s, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, going to San Francisco in your, your, your 60s, not a real good idea. Right. So when was the first time you went to San Francisco? How old were you? Uh, 18. 18? Wow. Yeah. Did you take a bus or did did you fly? I took a bus. Really? Or a train. I Tra took a train. Okay. So Two. when you got off the train, were you like, oh, I'm in my city? I went to L.A. Okay. That's where I started. Okay. And... Uh, L.A. was very popular back in the 40s when I was there. So. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I spent a few days in L.A. and went to San Francisco. But San Francisco was a different city in, in 1948 when I was there. How was it different? Well, it was, it was open, but it, it wasn't as, as accepted. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's always been accepted in San Francisco, you know. It's a say it's known for that. That 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 in Amsterdam. Yes, I, I love Amsterdam. It's, it's one of my favorite cities. So you you've been all around the world. Can you tell us some of your favorite places in the world that you've been to? Places where I've been to? Yeah, in the world that you really enjoy. Your favorite places. Your favorite places Amsterdam. in the world. Amsterdam. Really? Why? Amsterdam. The openness. Yeah. The acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there over 200 times. Wow. To Amsterdam. Over 200 times. Huh. Did you ever think about moving there? No. No? <laughs> How come? <laughs> They've got a good climate for one thing. Ah, uh, okay. Do you love love? Yeah? Well, then you're also going to love Audible Escape. There is nothing else like it. It's a monthly subscription service that provides unlimited listening to thousands of love stories. This isn't your regular Audible subscription. You see, Audible Escape is a standalone service separate from Audible with unlimited access to over 18,000 love stories and romance books from best-selling authors. The cool thing is, Audible Escape also offers original love stories that you can't get anywhere else. They're from authors like Laura Lynn Page, Emma Chase, and Lauren Blakely. It also includes stories narrated by celebrities like Jesse Metcalf, Blair Underwood, and Dermot Mulroney. Listen on your commute, working out, in the office, or at the grocery store. Love stories have the ability to whisk you away no matter where you are. And even better, you can get lost in unlimited love stories for an entire month absolutely free. Yeah, if you visit audible.com slash sunny, you'll get your first month of Audible Escape absolutely free. 
After that, you get unlimited access to the entire library for just $12.95 a month. And cool thing is, if you're already an Audible or Kindle Unlimited member, your membership is only $6.95 a month. Yeah, you can dive into Audible exclusives like Emma Chase's Getting Played Right Now, then move on to Laura Blakely's Never Have I Ever, then When Ashes Fall by Marnie Mann, and after that, All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han, and then, well, you get the point. Get your free month of Audible Escape and access unlimited stories by going to audible.com slash sunny. Again, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash S-U-N-N-Y. You've been, you know, as Ken said, you've been all over the world. You know, you're lucky enough to have worked for an airline, so you got to travel everywhere. And I'm sure... There are some places that you've been to that aren't open at all. One comes to mind, a story that you've told me a few times that's a good story, the South Africa story. You almost got into some trouble in South Africa. I was lucky. Yeah? Very lucky. So uh, can you tell, tell us that story? Yes. I met some nice man. And we made it that night in my hotel. And I said, how about the next night? He said, oh, yeah, you'll be off 40,000 feet. I said, so what? That's, 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 that's tomorrow. <laughs> so um, that's it, what's the bar? Well, the bar closed at 11 o'clock in, in, in Cape Town. So 11, 5 to 11, knock, knock, knock. There was Mr. Wonderful. Smashed completely. Oh, no. I had two beds. He fell on one bed. I left him there. Right. Took off his clothes and left him there. So during the night I got up, he was gone. The last is still on the door. So where is he? Oh. I looked out the window. There's a body down there. Two stories down. Oh no. oh, no. Two stories? Yeah. Oh, no. In the sand, however. Okay. So, uh, I was panicky, obviously. Got dressed. Went to some neighbors who were befriended. Told the story. They came over and said, that's if he was up and tablecloth around him talking to the police. Right. So, you thought he was dead. At this point. I'm sorry? You thought, when you saw the body down there, you assumed he was dead. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, I assumed it was. I'd be in big, big trouble. How did he get out the window? Right. I'd be in big trouble. Right. Yeah, he was talking to the police in Afrikaans, which I don't understand. Right. Like Dutch. And uh, so, one guy with you was a policeman. So now you have to tell your story. Told the story of the policeman. He said, you know? I said, yeah, I know him last night. I said, uh, he came to the door, couldn't even stand up, fell in bed, I left him there. End of story. I don't, I don't know what happened to him. Wow. So luckily he wasn't dead, because if he was, you'd still be in a South African I'd jail. I'd probably still be in a South yeah. African jail. <laughs> Wow. And you said that they, they looked at you, you know, kind of funny, like, why is there two guys in a bedroom well, together? Well, yeah, you know, it wasn't legal in, in, in South Africa where I was. So, you know, they knew what the story was, obviously. It wasn't, it wasn't any mystery. Right, right. They said, well, you come to the hospital. I said, I'm catching a play at 10 o'clock. Please go to the hospital with him. So I did. Yeah. Was he okay? Was he badly hurt? He was okay. Good. He had lacerations, that's all. Good. Woo. Yeah. Scary. And I just left. Hopefully they didn't let me out of the country. Yeah. And they did. Wow. Have you had any other, uh, I don't know, close calls with countries, you know, traveling through countries that were very homophobic or worried that you'd be thrown in jail? Not really. Yeah. You see, I was always in cities where it's pretty much accepted. Right. You know, Amsterdam and San Francisco are very accepted cities. Right. 
Chicago was that far behind. Right, right. Yeah. So you traveled in a in a rather cultured, classy circle. And yes. during the time that, you know, through a lot of your adulthood, there were a lot of famous people who were gay, but they married women. And, you know, in the newspapers, they would look uh, yes. like they were straight. But really, they were doing their thing behind closed doors. And so they were did, usually sorry. Really? Really? So have you ever had heard any stories about you know famous people in your circle or maybe even had encounters yourself with famous closeted gay people yeah but i never got involved in getting married because that was that yeah. right uh, but uh, were there you know like oh so and so was seeing rock hudson or you know anything like that like did you hear rumors of you know, famous people. Yeah, that's right. He finally came out. Yeah. So you knew about Rock Hudson years and years before? My roommate made it with him. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you a little jealous? Huh? Were you a little jealous? Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he was there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Frank made it with Rock Hudson. Huh. Yeah. Huh. So was that? I mean, did did you hear stories periodically of like, oh, so and so made it with that person? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I was pretty open about Rock Hudson, you know. Yeah. They finally made it, got him married to some secretary, you know. Right. To cover up. Right. But that didn't work. No, no. Did you ever make it with a famous person? They ever get who? Did you ever make it with a famous person? Yeah. Who? Oh, that smile. I wish you guys could see <laughs> yeah. his smile right now. Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis? No wow. kidding. Yeah. Chances are. Yeah. <laughs> very, very nice man. I right. liked him a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about, did you go on a date with him? Or what, like, what was the deal? That barber fixed me up. He really? cut his hair. He said, I got a hot number for you here. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so whatever, we made it, but had a great evening. Yeah, yeah. Did, did he sing you a song? I'm sorry? Did he sing you a song? He sang almost constantly. Oh! Yeah, he sang almost constantly, which was great. That's so sweet. He was a sweet man. Yeah. I liked him a lot. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Aww. Yeah. That's amazing. So I remember another story that you had. Um, can you tell us about um, Christine Jorgensen? I met her, yes. Uh, I forget where. Amsterdam, maybe? Someplace like that. And did yeah. somebody set you up on a date with her? No. Oh, no? What does I wasn't interested. Ah. Yeah. Not my type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, so, not, not at all, really. So for listeners, Christine Jorgensen is pretty famous. She was the first trans woman, I think. Yeah. Was, I a, very, a, very nice, a very nice person. Highly intelligent and sweet. Yeah. But for sex, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's a girl. Uh, yeah. But the only celebrity I ever made was, 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 was Johnny Mathis. Aw. Yeah. That's so sweet. That is so sweet. For those people listening, and I told you before, a lot of our audience is younger. A lot of people that listen are 30 years old or younger. Yes. And they have no idea what life was like before now. So if you had some advice to give to, let's say, a young gay 22-year-old, what life advice would you give to them? Don't flaunt it. Really? Why? You ask you for problems. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you think that's even true today for, let's say, somebody who has lived their whole life in San Francisco. Depends on what crowd you're talking about, you know. If you're talking about educate people in Chicago, no problem. If you're talking about Jobo six pack, of course you're gonna have a problem. Right, right. Somewhere in the middle of Nebraska or well, yeah. some small town somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah, where people are more no. conservative. I was very conservative and I kept didn't flaunt it at all. Right, yeah. right. Well speaking of conservative you're not politically conservative at all. 
What do you think of Donald Trump? Can I use foul language? Yes, you can use whatever foul language you want. I think he's an asshole. Yeah. Did did you ever think after so many strides and gave civil rights that we would see somebody like him? No. No, no. And do you, I know you. He is, he, he is so bizarre, I can't believe him at the time. Right, right. He's so bizarre. bizarre. Yeah. He does stupid things all the time. Yeah. And denies them. Yeah. And what do you think of his treatment, opinion, you know, policies about LGBT people, you know, whether gay, trans. I think he's a big phony. Yeah? He's a big phony. All he thinks about is his ego. That's why I'm concerned. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of people that I know, when they talk about their older relatives, they say, oh, God. They sit around all day and watch Fox News because they're conservative. And, you know, luckily you don't do that. No. <laughs> However, you love CNN. You watch CNN a lot. I watch CNN. Yes. I like Anderson Cooper. Yes, Anderson <laughs> Cooper and Don Lemon. Both of, both of them are gay. Exactly, exactly. And I know you you know, you know, talk quite a bit how, how wonderful it is to see gay people on TV and, you know, Seeing people in positions that you never saw when you were younger. No, Ellie Jenner was the first one I was in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, she came out of being gay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That didn't go over so well, and then when she came out in the nineties, the one Congress she called her Ella Degenerate. Oh, um, that's awful. He actually said that Ella Degenerate. Oh. God. That hurt her. She was really upset about that. Yeah. Gosh. It was all they could say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thankfully now, you know, people like Ellen and, and Anderson Cooper, and, you know, they're on TV. And in TV shows, we have characters that are gay. And, you know, it's, it's just a kind of average, normal part of our story, you know, on, in, yeah. on TV. How do you think? Your life would have been different if you were able to see, you know, when you were younger on TV. Well, there wasn't TV. Okay, so when, when TV went on the radio. <laughs> okay, if you were able to see role models of, of gay, successful adults, do you think that would have changed either your outlook on things or maybe people that you knew? It would change my outlook. Yeah, how so? Well, I have to stop and think what's going to happen to me, you know. Yeah. I was never openly gay any place. Right. You know, I just kept it. And now you are, you know, you, you. I couldn't care less now. Yeah. Does it feel good? Yeah. 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 I couldn't care less about who makes I'm gay now. Yeah. Right, right. And when, when did you, at what age did you become fully out where you were just like I'll tell everyone I don't care about 25 really yeah huh so how does it feel to you now that you know you we're very close we're closer than we've ever been yeah and we live together and that you know Faye who has your middle name you know her middle name is your name yeah yeah that you have you know they're gay I'm bisexual. I'm not straight. Yeah. I'm not sure. The other one's not really straight, but she's not sure what she is. How does it feel to know that not only most of your family, well, really all of your family, isn't straight? What family? Well, oh. us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're it. You're it. Yeah. But, and also, I, I read an interesting statistic recently that less than half of young people today you know, twenties and younger, yeah. identify as straight. Yes. What do you think of that? Frightened. Really? Why? Yeah. Just the image. Yeah. 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 Do you think though that it's because people are more accepting? I mean, do you think it's a good thing? They're more accepted, but not to the point where, you know. Yeah. They they, they want them to be. Right. Do you think we'll get there? 
Huh? Do you think we'll get there? I think we will. Yeah. I think it's a good first step in normalizing, like, being LGBT. We've we, we come a long way in the last generation, 20 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We still got a long way to go. Did you ever think that you'd see even this where we are now? No, I did not. No? Uh, gay marriage? Do, no. Uh, did you ever think gay marriage would be a thing? No, I did not. Wow. Now that you're older. A gay marriage is legal in Illinois now. Yep. It's legal everywhere in the whole country. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So now that you're older and, you know, over the last few years, you've had to you know, look for a retirement community and things like that. And and also, I've always known you as a very social person. Yeah. You like to go out with your friends and, you know, yeah. do all sorts of things. You're a very yeah. social person. What has it been like being elderly and gay? Is it, was it hard to find a place like a retirement home? Well, they don't get kinder as you get older. Let's just put it that way. Right, right. Yeah. Because I know, like, when, when you would look for the retirement home, I think you were looking for something that was a gay retirement home. Like, that would be your dream. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. And and you got more of a retirement home with a bunch of straight people that was gay-friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, what did you feel about that? Was that a huge disappointment? I gave up on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you think now that more of the, you know, we're the population's getting older and a lot of out gay people are getting older, how important do you think it is for there to be gay nursing homes and gay retirement facilities? It's very important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that's coming? It's coming. Yeah? All right, so. They've had this in Amsterdam for generations already. Really? Oh, yes. Northern Europe. Wow. You know, I mean, being gay in Amsterdam, no problem at all. Right. But only Amsterdam, not the whole country. Really? It's very backwards in some of the places like Rotterdam. Like, Rotterdam is okay, but not as good as Amsterdam. Uh, no. Amsterdam is the capital of gay thing. Yeah. And you have no problem being gay there at all. None. Oh. If you had a crystal ball yeah. and you could see the future or you could go back in time and do anything in your life differently, would you? And what would it be? Would well, change my life? Yeah. Any, any change you could make. If you could go back and do something differently, what would you do? Not really. No? No. I'm pretty happy with my life the way it turned out. Good. You know, Good. I, uh... Sure, I made mistakes. We all have. Right. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not regretting it. Yeah. So is there anything else, maybe anything that we didn't talk about, that you think the people listening need to know? Not offhand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You cover, you cover things pretty completely. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice because... I ask you questions here and there, but this gives me an excuse to really ask you all the questions. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's nice. So thank you. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy it's this. It's my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Believe Very me. rarely do they get to speak to a person who is almost 92 years old, a couple months. Yeah. That's been through the life that you've been through. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And could you do me a favor? Say goodbye to our audience. We call them American fuckers. So say goodbye, American fuckers. Goodbye, American fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Uncle George. Thanks, Uncle George. We love you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. 
I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.